Good evening, church. So good to have you. You're very welcome to Living Hope Belfast. Uh, what we're going to do to begin our service is we're going to worship together. So I'm going to invite you all to stand to your feet as we do that. Praise God. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never failed me in all my days. I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I
Thank you, God. Praise you, Lord. God of the ages. Name above all names. Worthy of our praise. Thank you, Lord. Who else would rock cry out to worship? Whose glory taught the stars to shine? Perhaps creation longs to have the words to sing. But this joy is mine. Come on, church. With a thousand hallelujahs, we magnify your name. You alone deserve the glory, the honor, and the praise. Lord Jesus, this song is forever yours. A thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. Who else would die for our redemption? Whose resurrection means our rise? There isn't time enough.
moving in our midst I worship you I worship you you are here you're working in this place I worship you I worship you sing Waymaker Church Waymaker Miracle Worker Promise Keeper Light in the darkness My God That is who you are Oh you are the way Waymaker Miracle Worker Promise Keeper Light in the darkness Stop. You never stop working. You never stop. 
individual that is in this house tonight. God, I thank you that that is what this is, God. It is a house. It is a home for people who feel that they don't belong anywhere else. For those who feel lost, God, I thank you that they can come here, that they can know that they belong. And God, I thank you that each of us is here for a purpose, on purpose. God, I pray that tonight through through everything that would take place, God. Through the songs that we sing, through the words that we say, God, would you be glorified. Would the name of Jesus be lifted up in this place. And Lord, we ask, God, that tonight would be a significant night in your kingdom. God, would, would those here on the fence, would those who, who don't know you at all, God, would, would they come to know you tonight? Lord, it's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. You can take your seats. Church, what we're going to do now is, um, as many of you will know, the last couple of weeks, um, the young people have been away. First, uh, there was a group of 16, 17 young people, I can't remember now, there was a group somewhere around that, uh, that went to Rock Nations, uh, which is in Life Church Bradford. Um, so they went there last week, the week before last, and then that week there, Monday to Friday, we had a large group then, uh, 25, 26, that went down to Mullingar, went to Pulse, which was a gathering of young people from all over Ireland. We were the only church represented in the north, which was an incredible privilege as well, um, being the church that's in the capital city. And uh, we, we just loved what happened there. But I don't want to tell you about my experience, although I could, and I know the rest of the, the youth leaders that went as well could, um, we want to hear from some of the young people about their experience, so I'm going to invite them up one by one, and the first, because she's standing to my left, I'm going to invite Caitlin up, and she's going to share some of her experience. 
Hello, hello, hello. I love coming up here and just going, hello, hello, hello. I think it makes everybody just want to put a wee smile on their face. It's great. So, wow, okay. But bear in mind that Caitlin was very, very, very apprehensive for all these trips. I'd never been on a plane before. So, Rock Nations was definitely a big jump. It is here to Leeds. So we flew over there, it was like 40 minutes, I have to say the worst 40 minutes of my life. If I didn't have Jesus, I tell you now, I'd be in bed. <laughs> but like, I went, it was great. And the first question I have here is, what made me decide to go to Rock Nations or Pulse this year? And starting with Rock Nations, I feel like what really made me want to go was, I've always wanted to go, I've always wanted to go to the conferences, but then I was like, nah, like, because we used to take the boat over, and yeah, fair enough, Caitlin skirted the boat as well. I was like, nah, it's okay, I'm not going, I'll go next year, I'll put it off, put it off. And then 2020 hit, and sort of COVID, I was locked in my house doing youth online, doing Zoom calls, and it was horrible. It was, I'm definitely a social butterfly, I like to speak to people, I could talk for a nation, I really could. So I was like, do you know what, COVID took three years of my life, and then burn, near the end of COVID, I got sick too. And that was the most difficult thing ever. I hate being incapable and not being able to do anything. I was literally lying on my floor at seven in the morning one day crying because I couldn't lift my head. It was the worst thing ever. And I just decided, do you know what, stuff it. Let's go, because there's no point. Like I literally, tomorrow is not promised to me. I literally, why would I stay in bed when I could be off getting all these experiences, all these memories? And if you've asked anyone who's came through youth or is in the youth program now, who's doing the likes of Rock Nations Impulse. It is amazing. There's nothing else you could ever want from it. It is so good. So I just decided, do you know what? I'm not letting it take any more time from me. And I'm so glad I did. The next one I have is the highlight or highlights from the conference and what I enjoy most. So Rock Nations, I think my highlight was definitely the worship. If you don't know, I've been doing this. Well, I was speaking to Reese today about it. I've been doing worship on Sunday service for almost a year. And that is scary, because that year flew in. And the highlight for me was the worship. It was just completely everyone being so open to it. It wasn't just like we blobs of people just standing being like, we make miracles. You know, it just wasn't just people standing there doing nothing. It was great. People were jumping, people were singing, people were screaming, there was hands waving people. We, and then there was just this time on the last part, the last night of the conference, which was the Saturday night, it was just this complete moment of surrender. They just said, do you know what? If you want to just surrender your burden, surrender what you have, just come to the front, down on your knees. We'll have people come around and pray for you. You can pray for others. You can just worship. And if you don't want prayer, you don't have to have it. So I sat there and there was literally me, two of my friends sitting there on our knees, praying, crying. And it was absolutely, it was just so surreal. It, you don't get peace like that from anything on the world. You'll be like, let's just go to a spa, have the cucumbers on my eyes, you know, the wee seaweed scrub, it'd be great. No, you do not get peace like that ever from anything, from anything on earth. It only comes from God and that moment was great. And then for the likes of Pulse, highlights were definitely, I think the feeling of community. Obviously, as we said, we were the only church from the North. And anytime someone said to me, they were like, so, you're from Northern Ireland, and I was like, yeah, how do you know? They're like the accent. I was like, do you know what? Well, I would like to call myself a wee bit of Santa Claus. I come from the North and I put a wee smile on your face. It's great. You know, it's just a great wee time. I'm living the best life. <laughs> now, Alexandra's laughing at me like, what is this wee girl saying? I cannot associate with you anymore in my life. I'm like, I don't care, why not? But 
That was so amazing to me. And it says, how did the conference positively impact your relationship with youth, church, and God? So starting with youth, I think it really puts the focus on youth coming to these conferences. And it definitely is like, wow, like you're a young person. That's great. Let's love Jesus. But it really focuses your mind as well to the youth leaders, to the people who have brought you there, who have made the way for the likes of, if anybody who went to Rock Nations, do you all just want to stand up for a minute? Anyone who went to Rock Nations or Pulse? We just all want to stand up for a second. All the kids, all the Go youth ahead, leaders, I everybody. I Abigail and Alexandra. Yeah, all the intended. Now, these Amaya are the people. The, Reese can just sit down, crisscross applesauce on the floor because he didn't go. But no, Rock Nations and Pulse, Usins all deserve such a big round of applause. So let's just give them that right now. <laughs> Husey and Evan did the whole round trip, they did Rock Nations from the 4th to the 7th, then the whole three hour drive down, Tuesday drove the van, and praise God, Amaya and Jessica got home safe. <laughs> <laughs> but they did the whole three hour trip down and then back, and on the planes and everything, they done it all, all because they love young people. And I think that's amazing, because you don't get people like that. There's people who are sitting on the chair right now who are like, I can, that couldn't be me, I'm like three hours drive down, we have little kids, what on earth were they thinking? Pastor Matt drove down, well, how many was it? How many can our bus seat? He drove 16 kids and me in the front seat. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> it was amazing. Like, they're just so passionate for the youth and the young people. And I think that's how it positively impacted me there. With the likes of church, my worship has completely changed. It's kind of like, why do you want to sit there in a wee corner and be like, you know, I want to fully praise God and not care what people think about me because I didn't then, so why would I not? Just because everyone's a bit older here? No. Just because everyone's a bit younger here? No. I'm like, what's the crack we at? Like, come on, let's just praise God. You know? And then with God myself, I really, I struggled with taking worship from being on the platform, being in church, and doing that myself in life, like actually walking it out. Because worship isn't just the song, worship isn't just reading your Bible. It isn't just being like, do you know what today? God loves you. It's not all that, it's how you live your life and how you lead by example. So I can be walking down the way and I could wake up one morning and choose violence, you know, like you never know. But how about one day we wake up one day and choose God? How about each and every single day we wake up and choose God? Jerry said this morning, we are ambassadors for God and the ministry of reconciliation. So why cannot we live like that? And that's how it impacted me with God. And then it says, am I going to make any changes to my life based on what I was taught at the conference? And I said, 100%. I'm done with living like a week hard, being really timid, not taking the opportunities that come to me because God has given me life. God has given me breath. And I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised the next five minutes. I could fall dead on the stage right now. And if I do, please, everyone, turn your cameras off because that would be scundering. But no, like... I need to just start living and that is how I'm going to change because that is my life. My life is not made to just be walking and be like, do you know what? I'll do it someday. We had Pastor Noah Heron come over. He came over from Nashville and he was living his best life on stage. He was like, if you want to say preach, if you want to say preach it, white boy, you go for it. Right? <laughs> we were all just, he was great. In the unhippest way I can, he was very down with the kids and I really appreciate that. Right? So it just says, stop someday in your life. Stop saying, oh, someday I'm going to do it. Oh, someday I'll do it. Oh, someday I'll do it. Because you're going to hit 60 being in your rocking chair. Well, 60 is quite young being in a rocking chair. You're going to hit 80 being in a rocking chair. Like, what have I done with my life? Stop someday in your life away. And that's the change I'm going to make with me. 
So yes, Reese, tell me to wrap it up. That's me done. Um, yeah. <laughs> See, what happened was Pastor Matt made the mistake of saying the longer the day spoke, the less that he would speak tonight. So that's exactly what happened there. So <laughs> young people on fire for God. Church, isn't it so good? Isn't it so good that young people are on fire for God? Um, the next guy that I'm going to invite up was just at Pulse. And he couldn't be any more different, different than Caitlin because... Caitlin comes up without any notes because she doesn't need them. This guy has half a screen, so he'll be about 30 seconds. So, <laughs> Owen Linton, where are you? I don't know where you're sitting. Where is he? Oh, there he is. He's at the back. Welcome Owen Linton up, please. Chris. It literally is only about half a screen. So... So I only went to Pulse because I was in the Middle East the week before and I just wasn't programmed that there. So my favourite highlight from Pulse was getting to do the annual Midday Madness, which was a range of different games to try our points for your tribes, which happened down in Pulse, but my team didn't win. Sadly. The thing I enjoyed most, most about going to Pulse was experiencing how other people teach the Word of God and how they inspire youth to take that path in life. Paul simply by showing me that I should spend more time with God by praying and taking time to read my Bible. One of my favourite things really from the week was Evan Thompson encouraging me the whole week to put an Irish accent on. <laughs> no, I can't. Just uh, Owen developed an incredible gift and it was, it was an accent. So if you could just introduce your family to us, that would be a go, go, go. I can't, I can't. You have to. Just your family. I'll do some of these meters. So, my name's Alan Linton. <laughs> my youth leader is Evan Thompson and Reese Johnston. Two of the only ones was Rebecca Hughes, aka Shieldsy. Where else is the rest of them? Uh, Denise Drake, who had my head the whole week. She was beating me up and down. Although there's no child protection, so it was alright. So that's me. Thank you all. And last but not least, we have Amaya, if you would like to make your way up, please. And could you please welcome Amaya to the Platform Church. There's a lot of these. <laughs> I also have notes. I decided to go to Rock Nations and Pulse this year, mainly just to get away for a while, to escape my normal routine and just avoid any distractions or the chaos of life in general. Um, whenever I heard about Rock Nations, it just sounded like so much fun, and I did not hesitate with ensuring that my mum was filling out those forms for me, just to make sure that I was going to be there. As for Pulse, I just I really liked the idea and the fact that I would be away for five days, and just be able to get the chance to make new friends and hear so many new perspectives that I could saturate my mind and heart with. I've never really experienced going to anything like these events before because, oh wait, no, that's not what it was. <laughs> um, it was really refreshing and just one of my highlights was the praise and worship because it was absolutely unreal like the energy that was there and it was created by everyone just by lifting up and glorifying God and just sending all of our attention upon the Lord. It definitely sent the enemy running that for definite. <laughs> I especially enjoyed being able to go and talk to my friends and family. Oh no, not family. 
it was really bad. <laughs> and leaders about what they took from what was being preached during small groups after every session because it all brought us closer to each other and God at the same time. Over the past two weeks, my personal relationship with God has been strengthened a lot, mainly just down to the fact that I'm not putting just a little bit of trust in him anymore, I'm putting all my trust into him, and I've been able to hand over any fears that I've had. Based on what I heard in the conferences, something that really stood out to me, and I'm sure it did to many other people who were there as well, was just that I need to stop having two versions of myself. I need to be real, and I've learned that it's normal not to be okay and smiling 24-7, It's normal to have problems and struggles, and it's also normal to not want to be able to tell anyone or just to not to speak to anyone about it, but tell God about them. He doesn't want us to put a mask on and try and avoid the real difficulties that only he can help us with. He just wants us to be us because we're enough. Brilliant. Thank you, Amaya, Owen, and Caitlin. Um, Church, as you can tell, we have some young people who have really come back on fire. And what I love about our church is we're the type of church that will fan that flame, that we'll, we'll encourage and we'll build up. And so there's young people here tonight. Say hello to them after service and continue to encourage them. And I just want to say thank you to the church for supporting the young people and going to Rock Nations and the Pulse. It could not have happened without the generosity of God's people. And we really do appreciate that on behalf of all of the youth church. Pastor Matt is going to come and bring the word. So could you please welcome Pastor Matt. Good evening. Thank you for being here tonight. It's wonderful to hear from the young people who have been away and Rock Nations and Pulse our prayer before they went that they would have an encounter with God. And I know from the stories that you've heard, both from here, the front, but also individual stories, uh, that they have had that. They've had a great experience. And our prayer now is that that would last in their lives and there would be something built into their lives and stuff. I had the privilege, well, I'm not sure it was a privilege. I went to Rock Nations uh, <laughs> where, with the young people, and it was just amazing to see a thousand young people uh, just worshipping. Uh, it always, no matter how many years I go, and you, you know me, I do like to moan about it. And, um, but just to get there and see all these young people worshipping is just amazing. It's just, you know, we know of so many churches closing down and we have to have uh, young people coming to our church. We have to have the next generation in our church because we do not want our church to close its door in a generation's time. Uh, So this is so important to do uh, what we do to make sure we give these young people this opportunity to go away uh, to both Rock Nations and Pulse and uh, I know they'll get the chance to do that once again next year. Reese has already uh, thanked you for the generosity of the church. For I know we raised about £1,500 from the church alone just to be able to take uh, the young people away and stuff. So thank you very much once again. We're into our fourth week of the summer program uh, tomorrow. We are delighted. 
to have, we have nicknamed them the baseball team uh, at the front here, uh, Jimmy, Al and Matt, and I know uh, you have spent some time getting to know them uh, in the church, before the church services and we were out for lunch today and we have an amazing opportunity this week because we have 80 children uh, coming along to the baseball camp. All kids have come along to the work that we do already. Uh, so we are praying for them and we're praying for Rebecca and the team this week and uh, praying for all that would happen, that God would move because that's what everything is about that we're doing. We're believing God is going uh, to move young or old. Uh, that's our prayer as a church. And then next Sunday evening, uh, we are having a special service. Uh, please do not see it as an excuse to take the night off. And says we pray to bring people in and so it's good when we bring people in that the people of the church are here uh, because this is what we pray for to bring people in and to see the kids and everything next Sunday as they come along to church for the first time and we're gonna do uh, some fun things afterwards and stuff so please pray for this week and says we are so excited about everything that is going uh, to happen we're continuing on with our sermon series of uh, highs and lows looking at individuals uh, uh, in, the, in the Bible. And all through the summer, we've been looking at their experiences, we've been looking at their experiences with, um, uh, with God and how they move on their journey and different things that have happened and stuff that we work through and stuff and how it relates to you and to me. So I wonder if we get the slide, are we on the slide? I don't know, we're, with a blank slide on the back screen, but that's okay, we'll work our way through. I want to talk to you tonight about a man called Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus is mentioned three times in the Gospel of John. And why do we talk about Nicodemus tonight? Because he is, he, uh, th there is something I say all the time because it's so true. And all the way through the Gospels, Jesus is interested in the individual. When he, comes to, when he comes to the earth, he's sent to the earth by his father, he ministers for three years. There are so many stories that, he, that, that speak about his individual concern and his encounter, his conversation with people who are individuals. It would be so much easier to write so many stories uh, where we would see Jesus just speaking to the crowds and dealing with the crowds, but there was a message that we see, there was a message that we read about in the scripture, how Jesus is interested in the individual, that, that, one, that, that one that comes across his path, that one that has lots of questions. And Nicodemus is that man that helps us on our journey. He's mentioned three times in the Gospel of John. In chapter 3, he appears as a seeker, as someone who is intrigued but confused by Jesus. In chapter 7, he defends Jesus among the religious leaders that are around him. And in chapter 19, he joins a man named Joseph of Arimathea to give Jesus, Jesus a proper burial. He, he makes it public. He, he's the journey that he's been on that finishes that when Jesus dies on the cross, it is Joseph and Nicodemus that take away Jesus' body. He didn't have to do that. It was a great risk. And he develops and shows us this journey that he's on, that moves from this private conversation that he has with Jesus at night that nobody sees him to a public demonstration of his faith that almost says, I don't care what people think of me now. I know who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. 
And so we pick up the story in John uh, chapter 3, and it tells us this. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. One of the wonderful things I love about the conversations that Jesus has with people is this. He is well capable of answering everybody's questions. He is well capable of dealing with all the concerns and issues that people bring to him and he can answer their questions. And here we read it in this story, but it is so true tonight. As whatever way we've come to church and whatever what we've brought with us tonight, he can answer the questions as he does with Nicodemus here. We pick up the next story in John 19 as we'll come back to this. And it says this, it says, Later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had early had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. As I said at the beginning of this, there is a moment that your private confession of who Jesus is has to become your public demonstration of living for him. And this is what happens here. This is what Nicodemus does here. He has a private conversation with Jesus and then in chapter 7 he defends Jesus in front of the religious teachers but in the final act in John 19, after Jesus has died, he shows the public demonstration of who he's living for. And the challenge for us as we come nearly to the end of this series of the highs and lows of what Nicodemus challenges us to do, is there has to come a point for some of us, if not all of us, where there has to be a public demonstration of living for the one that we believe in, the one that we trust in, the one that we love, the one that has answered our questions, and his name is Jesus Christ. Nicodemus sets out a very religious man. Uh, we know he's a leading teacher. Uh, Jesus tries to explain to him the purpose of why he's come. But Nicodemus doesn't really get it. He's possibly the most religious person in Israel at this point. He understood the law, he understood uh, the history, he understood, but he simply doesn't recognize fully who Jesus is. 
He does make a couple of great statements, though. He says this, he says, We know that God has sent you to teach us, and we know that the miracles are a sign that God is with you. You would think that that recognition was enough, but it's not. You see, Jesus is not interested in giving everybody a religious experience. It wasn't enough to have a religious experience because had it been enough, then Nicodemus would have passed over the mark. He would have been the one that uh, had achieved it because he was a teacher of the law. But Nicodemus was missing something in his life. And still today, there are many people that are missing things in their life and they're trying to recognize a part of Jesus that simply says, well, I know he's a good teacher or what people would say is relative, that it's okay for you, you know, you found him and and it works in your life and stuff. And people would use all sorts of reasons like Nicodemus does. But the recognition is not enough. Jesus responds to the man And that even all he is, and all that he has recognized, is not enough. You see, knowing these truths did not save Nicodemus. Being religious did not save Nicodemus. It actually confused him even more because he stands in front of Jesus and he asks these obscure questions in a sense. I mean, he's come to him at night because he doesn't want people to see. He doesn't want people to know. You know, I remember when I first became a Christian way back in 1993 as a young man of 21. And at first, I was quite happy to sort of let people know that, that I'd got saved, I'd found Jesus, and, and, and it had changed my life. But there came a point when people said to me, you're not last at it, or Matt, it's not real. Or my nickname at the time was Mavis. So everybody said, Mavis, you're not sticking this. You're not last at this, it's not real. And I remember being quite disheartened about it. I actually started to not tell people, in a sense, what had happened. To anybody I'd bumped into, I hadn't seen in a while, you know, that that's what was wrong. It would be the last thing that I said to them. Or I might not even say it at all. Because I ended up getting discouraged about it. And I realized after a while, after a time, there was only one way that you can live for Jesus, and it's publicly. There, there, is, there is no private faith. There was nothing that we live privately. We can only live that public way uh, in our demonstration of our faith in Jesus. And Nicodemus comes with all these questions. And rightly so, because there's nothing wrong with questions. Nothing wrong with concerns. Jesus is well able to answer every concern and every question that everybody has this evening. The sad reality here is that Nicodemus simply shows this, that he just doesn't understand what's going on he doesn't understand what really is truth he had lived away his whole life and it's interesting being a teacher of the law what he was supposed to be doing that night was studying the scriptures he was supposed to be by candlelight studying the law looking at the law and meditating on the law and all the way through the old testament that he was reading there was there was pictures of jesus and images of jesus but he missed it all He missed it all because he suddenly realized that actually that there is this man, he's come from God, that there are miracles that he's done and I think he's been sent by God but but suddenly he he begins to come to Jesus tonight and say, well look, you know, are you really who you say you are? Have you been sent by God? And you see, there's something that we have to understand that it is one thing to know the truth as someone speaks it. You know, when somebody tells you something, you have to 
decide sometimes whether it's true or not. I used to use this illustration when I did Sunday school, the kids' church here, because you would look at somebody and you would know by looking at them whether they were telling the truth. You would know by their story and you would ask people different questions. So they had to decide whether it was true or false. And when it came to me, I used to confess that I once ate a whole bargain bucket out of Kentucky by myself. And all the kids went, true, true, you did. <laughs> Why? Because they, were, they knew it was the truth. You see, it's one thing to know the truth. But with Jesus, it's totally different because he not only speaks the truth, he is the truth. In John 14, when they, they ask him, he just simply says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't say, I know the truth, or I'm speaking the truth. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus is the only man that's ever lived who not only speaks the truth, but is the truth as well. It's why his word is still powerful and effective today to change people's lives. It's why, when he, you know, in John 8, verse 36, when he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He's not just talking about the words that he speaks, he's talking about the person that he is. And he's standing in front of Nicodemus trying to explain to him about being born again. You see, throughout the stories of the Gospels, we see the crowds encounter Jesus, and we see individuals encounter Jesus. And Jesus changes people's lives. You know, he kept his criticism and his fiercest words for the religious people. But for the people who were harassed and abandoned and hurting and broken, what did he do for them when he fed them and he healed them and he gave them sight and he gave them the hearing back and, and he helped them to walk again? And he says, so because that was his heart in encountering people because he wanted people to know that actually these religious people that were here, they weren't the ones with all the answers. He was the one with the answer. Because he wasn't only speaking the truth, he was the truth as well. You see, Jesus healed these people and that encounter is there. So Nicodemus comes to him privately, but he finally comes to him publicly. You see, Nicodemus thought he had everything. I mean, he had good standing in society. We discover in the, the story we'll read later that he was a rich man. He, he was well known. He had everything in that society that you thought made him a successful person, made him somebody that you would look at and say, that man's got what life is about. But he's the one that's searching. And he's the one asking Jesus questions. And he's the one coming to Jesus at night because there is an eating within him. There is a hole within his heart here that just says, there has to be something else. And you know, when you talk to people today and people are hurting and they feel hopeless and they feel in despair, they will all ask the same question. Uh, they will say, Pastor, is there, is there got to be something else? And I say it's not that there is something else, it is there is someone else. His name is Jesus. And you see, that's what they're missing and that's what Nicodemus is missing here. Because he's trying to ask the questions and say, if I can just find something that fills this gap, because it's not the religion, it's not the legalism, it's not following the laws, it's not having the money, it's not being well known, it's not being successful. None of that is filling the gap. And Jesus just comes and stands before him. You see, and he says, and he's got this restlessness 
in him because he's empty on the inside. Sure, Nicodemus was right by the law, but he wasn't right by grace. Jesus was offering him something the law could not give, the grace of God. He said to him, you must be born again. It's the answer to the people that say I was born this way. It's why Jesus says you must be born again. Becoming a Christian is not something to put a hand in the air for and just hopefully, well, it may change something. We are transformed from the inside out. He changes us. We are dead in our sins and trespasses, but Jesus makes us alive. That's the good news. That's the news that the world needs to hear. It's a news that we have to tell them because they're looking and they're saying where is the answer who is the answer he's been the answer for the last 2,000 years his name is Jesus Christ and see we can come up with all sorts of wonderful theories and we can move through culture through science through everything else intelligence and intellect and education and none of those things are bad and we keep looking for the ultimate answer we keep looking for that which is the answer in the world that we live in and it still brings us back to Jesus because he's the only one that can fill the gap he's the only one that can answer the questions that people have he's the only one as Reese had said tonight earlier he says we're born for a purpose by a purpose what's the purpose it's the purpose of God in our lives and he says it's why we sit here tonight because God has given us a purpose so here he says we are born again and Jesus didn't come to get people to join a club he didn't get us to become to be religious some of us are really bad at religion there wouldn't be any point being religious we're not religious but thank goodness Jesus didn't come to get us to be religious Jesus message to the world as Caitlin has already said is God loves you and I'm here to demonstrate that love both physically by meeting people's needs, by going to the cross and meeting the greatest need that we have, which is forgiveness, which is knowing we can have our sin and our shame and our guilt taken away. And I love the thought that we had this morning. We all learned about baseball this morning, didn't we? And looked at it and thought to myself, it didn't matter how well you hit. What was it again? A hit, pinch, pinch. Pinch hitter. We all heard about that this morning, didn't we? You all thought you just take the bat, swing it at the ball, didn't you? Is that your skill in it? And we'll all be finding that out this week. And it didn't matter, I love it, it didn't matter what the score was. It didn't matter whether you were better than me. You wouldn't be, but it didn't matter that you were better than me. Well, I was better than you. It says we all fell short. So none of us can come and point the finger at each other and say, you? Look what you've done. There's no room for you here. I'm thankful for this church where we've said, come and take a seat with the rest of us. He says, you have a few failures, you have a few mistakes, you have times you've messed up, you feel a bit worthless, hopeless, and despair. Hey, do you know what? This church is a perfect place for you. Come and work it out here because give God an opportunity to do something in your life. Nicodemus meets Jesus. He hears his message and it changes him. It changes him as we come to the final story just quickly that, that we read of Nicodemus, that this, Jesus died for you in public so you don't have to live for him in private. 
The end of John records, as we've read already, that after Jesus had died, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, and notice John writes these words, he says, the man who had earlier visited Jesus by night. Now, he says that because there's something that he's not saying which is really important, which is he's not coming by night now. He's coming very publicly now. He believes that Jesus is who he said he is. He went to the cross and he's laying claim to the body with Joseph to put it in a new tomb. And it tells us something else as well, which it could take a whole sermon to go into this. The dead body, the Jesus' body, you know, Nicodemus had to bring a pound of myrrh and aloe. Uh, you, know, they, you know, that stuff that you embalm the body and all of that, do all of that stuff with the body. Nicodemus brings 75 pounds of it. He says apparently it would have cost in the tens of thousands of pounds for him to do this. Now, he didn't need to do it. But worship is always when you don't need to do what you have to do. He doesn't need to do it, but he did it anyway because it's like an act of worship because he's recognizing in his journey that he was the one that came to Jesus by night privately. But publicly now, and you think there's a great risk here, uh, because all the disciples have fled. Nobody wants to be associated with Jesus at this point in time, except these two, Joseph and Nicodemus. And he brings him and he lays him in the tomb with a 75 pound of myrrh and the aloe as he's there. And Nicodemus is also saying, because... He's saying, this is, this is public now. I believe who he says he was. I've seen what he said he was going to do. And I'm preparing his body to rise again. I'm preparing him knowing I believe that he not only spoke the truth, but Jesus is also the truth as well. This is worship. You know what worship is sometimes? It's just recognizing who Jesus is. That's all it is sometimes. We complicate it sometimes. It's just recognizing who Jesus is. You know, when we come into church sometimes and we start to worship, all we're simply doing is elevating Jesus above everything that's gone on in our lives in these past week, everything that's coming, all those test results, all those uncertain things that are going to happen, everything that we're not sure about. Worship just simply recognizes who Jesus is and lifts him above the situations and the circumstances that we face. That's what worship is. So we don't need to complicate it. We're in church tonight, and there are many, many people with many, many troubles and difficulties and challenges. It says as we come to worship, we're just lifting Jesus above it. Why? Because we recognize something within Jesus, that he's not only speaking the truth, uh, that he is the truth. And it's the truth that's been changing people's lives for the last 2,000 years. And he changes our lives tonight. He's changed our lives in the past. And what we've got to do now is move from the public, so we move from the private confession of him to the public demonstration of him. Uh, as our good friend said this morning, it, it's not enough just to sort of let, let your actions show. 
you know, to sort of love people and the gospel will come forward. Now, I totally agree with what he says. We have to tell people. There are lots of people who help people out there and they're not Christians. It says helping people is not our priority. Telling people about Jesus is our priority. We have a responsibility to help people and we love to do that in this church. But we have a higher responsibility to tell people about Jesus because there are people that are broken and abandoned and hopeless and despairing and they need what we have. And what do we have? We have Jesus Christ and he changes people's lives. I think that was the journey of Nicodemus, just to come from the private to the public at the end, almost say, I'll lay claim to the body. I'll come with you, Joseph. He says, I want to make this public now because in bringing the body, I'm saying to everybody else, I believed he was who he said he was. I believed in this man, Jesus. He answered my questions for me. He, he spoke truth to me. Uh, and, and so therefore, at the end of the book of John, he's there and he just says, I'll take the body. This is my act of worship towards him. So for you who are there, and it's wonderful to see all the young people back from the, the youth conferences and camps, let your next step be your public demonstration of your faith. It says for us who are sitting in here, maybe it's been a while since we've told anybody about Jesus. Let's challenge ourselves to tell somebody this week in conversation. Most of the time we're just afraid of people thinking we're weird. Half of you are weird, so you just, that's it. So tell people about Jesus. Because when we tell people about Jesus, it might be the answer that they are looking for at that specific moment. And we don't want to miss the opportunity because he changes people's lives still. We believe that, don't we? Yeah, five of us do. We believe that, don't we? Yes. So we take the opportunity this week to use the example of Nicodemus to tell people about Jesus in the belief that the truth of who he is and what he says is change their lives because that's the business that he is in. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you this evening. Father, when we read the encounters of people in the scripture, we realize, Father God, that, that Father, not only are you interested in the individual, the stories are an example to each and every one of us that we don't need to be afraid to come with questions. We don't need to be afraid to come with concerns as Nicodemus did. Father, for the end result of his life was that public act of worship where he says, I lay claim to Jesus. He says, I'm making it public. And Father, help us as a church to simply just do that. Help us to make it public. The demonstration of our living for your son, Jesus Christ. Father, there is a world to win and it's our world. There isn't one of us in here who doesn't have unsaved friends, unsaved family. There's not one of us in here who does not know of somebody who doesn't know you. And Father, you have given us a responsibility and a calling and a mission to tell them about your son, Jesus Christ, because he still changes people's lives. Still in the business of salvation today, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh -oh.
church, I invite you to stand to your feet and we'll worship. I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. Sin separated, the breach was far too wide. From the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide. Left behind heaven's door to build it here inside.
Father God, I thank you that you've brought us here today, that you've gathered us in your house, that this is a house as we said, God, that this isn't a place where people come to stand, God, this is a place to worship, to learn, and to learn of you, God, and to give you glory. We stand as a community, God, because when one ember sits apart, it dies out. So let us stay together and let this fire grow. Let us build each other up, God. Let us encourage each other, God. Lord, I pray over those that are summed to end their life away, God. Let them come out of the darkness. Let them come out of the private, out of the night, and let them come into the day, God. Let them do this public act of worship, God, and give their lives to you, Father, because there's no one else that we should glorify but you, God. There's no one like you, God. Lord, we thank you that we can gather here, God. We thank you, Father. We pray, would you bring each and every single one of us home safely, God? Yeah. Until the next time we meet, God. We pray over the baseball camp coming up this week, God. Yeah. That you would be with us, touching the lives of every single child. Yeah. Giving strength to every single leader taking part, God. Yeah. We thank you, Father God, and it's in your Son, Jesus' precious name we pray. 